Thank you for everyone being uh, quite uh, concise. I uh, just want to add one more thing. Uh, I just, one of the things that I love about, one of the many things I love about our church, one of the things I love about, love about our church is that we involve our little ones in the sacraments. When we do a communion, we invite the little ones in. It's biblical because they are, fam they are members of the family of God. They're welcome in God's family. This is why we do communion. Kids are involved in it. Secondly, I, I love the theology understanding of infant baptism. It's more than a dedication. Dedication is my effort to bring my child to God. It doesn't guarantee that God accepts it. It doesn't mean there's anything, anything happening between me and God. But when we in baptize infant, we are saying it's more than my bringing my child to be dedicated. We are saying God is making a covenant, bringing his children, these little ones, into the family of God. They are part of the family of God. And I believe this is theologically powerful and wonderful truth in the word of God. I love, I love it because it speaks of the grace of God. One of, one of my life verses is that God, when, whenever I, I am uh, worried about who I am, how I'm doing, God reminds me that it was not I who chose God, but God chose me. That's grace. I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. It's God's grace. That God, Through God's grace, God chose me. Then I respond by faith through that, after that. God's grace has started. And I love when we baptize our infants, the little ones. They don't have any faith in They do not know anything. But they're brought in by the God's grace of God, God's grace. I'm reminded. I'm, I feel I'm preaching here. I'm reminded when that four friends brought a, a paralytic and how they, brought, how they brought him to Jesus and how they ended up towing up the roof of this where Jesus was staying to lay that, 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 that pallet down with the paralyzed man. Bible literally says, Jesus seeing their faith, faith of the friends, Jesus healed that man. And as parents bring their children in faith before God, God brings them into the family of God. What a grace of God. Amen? God is good. Okay. Uh, uh, some of you know I have, I have, I have been experimenting with the Bible app, the YouVersion Bible app. If you want to follow to this message on the Bible app, if you have a Bible app, you can type that in, uh, H, you know, H, you know, those, that uh, thing, and, and you can uh, follow along. One, one thing good is that even when the message is done, you can save it, on, save it, and you can be able to go back and look at those things. Today's... Uh, um, Title of the message is First Christ Christ Ians. I am intentionally dividing the word Christian into two words. Christ Ians. First Christ Ians. Okay. The text I want to go through is Acts Book of Acts, chapter eleven, verse nineteen through twenty-six. But actually I'll be covering the whole chapter quickly. What he saw uh, last week was that how uh, God was moving through, God, Spirit of God was moving and orchestrating, opening the hearts of the people oh, and really breaking down prejudices and how that the gospel, the good news will go to even to the Gentiles. And as how the Cornelius, 
uh, uh, by vision so uh, God instruction and had Peter come, Apostle Peter come to his house. And, and how the God gave vision to Peter, breaking down his prejudices so that he will go to Gentiles' home, get to share the gospel. And that while he's speaking, Holy Spirit comes and the whole household becomes saved. And they receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then, and after that, Peter seeing that he baptized the whole family. They were the first Gentile, non-Jew Christians ever happened. God is opening a door. He, he, God, opened the, God, God opened the door by opening the hearts of the people, breaking down the prejudices, breaking down the traditions. And with the truth, God began to open doors where the gospel go for the older nation. This was, this was God's design and purpose. So uh, if, if, you, uh, if you go into uh, chapter 11, it really spends uh, 18 verses talking about how that open door that God gave through Peter and up upon the family of Cornelius. How in, in, in chapter 1 through 18, Apostle Paul, Peter comes back to Jerusalem and gets to explain to the other apostles. They were all upset. Why did you do what you did? What you did? How can you go to Gentiles and, and talk about the gospel, about the goodness of Jesus Christ, without them becoming Jews? They, they many, all, all thought that for people to become followers of Christ, they need to become Jew first, follow the Old Testament laws to, to become a Christian. So, and after all the discussion, this is what, what it says in chapter 11, verse 15. And as I began to speak, Peter is talking about his story, what happened. The Holy Spirit fell upon them just as he did upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord and how he used to say, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, if God gave to them the same gift he gave to us also after believing in the Lord Jesus, who was I that who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they quieted down and glorified God, saying, Well then, God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. This may not be very significant to us. At the time of Apostle Peter, early church, this is a big deal. It was breaking down all the paradigms. Yes, Jesus said the gospel has to go to the ends of the earth. That in many ways they still thought it was, you know, the, the, the Jews were all over the world that would come to know God. No, God was actually you know, really breaking their thoughts and uh, ideas so that all people are invited into the grace of God. For us, it's, we take it for granted. We have heard it for 2,000 years. It's easy for us. For them, it was very, very difficult. To for that to happen, God actually had to give visions to show them really validating the truth that he already gave so that they will understand what was happening is from God. Anyway, I want to focus on the next few verses. Chapter 11, verse 19 through, 20, 19 through 26. Uh, the gospel goes, you know, with the, the church deciding, yes, the Gentiles are welcome to the family of God. As that truth is affirmed in the, the center of the Christianity, the Jerusalem church. Now, it, while this is going on, some of the people, 
are going around and sharing the gospel. This is what happens in verse 19. So then those who are scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except to Jews alone. See what it says. Now, because of persecution, a lot of, all, a lot of Christians are scattered all over the region. As they're going, they are obeying Jesus. They are speaking the word only to the Jews, though. They are sharing the gospel, talking, talking to people about Jesus to the Jews only. They are, I mean, if you think about it, they are doing more than us. And they're actually going and talking about Christ, what God Christ has done, and preaching the word of God. But only to the Jews alone. Look at the next verse. But, I like the big but here. But there was some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch, began speaking to the Greeks also. Greeks also. Preaching the Lord, preaching the Lord Jesus. I wish I could do a little bit of more extensive Bible study. There are two words you can use. To, you know, to, to talk about Greeks or Hellenists. And one, 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 some, one word is Hellenistas. It's where these are speaking of Greek-speaking Jews. But there's another word which is used, Hellenas. These are Greek, people who are you know, Greeks. So one is a Greek-speaking Jews, the other is Greeks. Here it says, these, these, these men, unknown men goes and preaches the gospel even to... Non-Jews, non-Jews. In the, the city called Antioch, by the way, there are about 15 different cities in that Roman world called cities called Antioch. But this is the biggest one, which, is in, which was the capital of Syria region in Roman Empire. The third largest city. There's a, there's a, 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 Rome was a rotten city. But compared to Rome, Antioch is worse. There are known for immorality, known for all kind of pleasure-seeking with all that. And, and the, as Christians are spreading all over because of persecution, they, some of them came to Antioch, and now some are sharing the gospel in the, in the Jewish synagogue, talking to the Jews. Now some men begin to speak to non-Jews. And they're not talking about Messiah because these people do not know anything about Messiah. See, Cornelius at least was a God-fearer. He knew about Judaism. He was close to Judaism. These, these people do not know anything about God at all. To them, they begin to share the gospel about Jesus as a Savior and the Lord. Look at verse 21. And the hand of the Lord was with them. God was with them. And a large number who believed, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. There are a lot of people who believe and repented and turned to Christ Jesus and became Christians. There's one uh, phrase, I highlighted that uh, phrase, hand of the Lord was upon them, with them. Hand of the Lord usually means, let me quote somebody rather than me saying it. Okay, before I do that, I, I, I need to stop and say something. By the way, this was the first church for non-Jews. First church for non-Jews. Didn't start up, didn't, was, not, didn't, was not started by apostles or great Christian leaders. These are started by unknown men. Nobody knows who these are. These are. 
these men that know the Bible does not give any name to, when they shared the gospel to the non-Jews and the church became these non-unknown people from Cyprus, Cyprus and Cyrene preaching about Jesus. Now, this is exciting, important to me because I think that we live in a generation, we, we have a, such a, you know, a star, what they call a superstar cult. Everything has to be done by superstars. All the good basketball teams are run by superstars. You need to have, my, not Michael Jordan, so told already, LeBron's and others in it for a good team. Now, but if you look at the kingdom of God, church, how God is working, it is not always, it's not by the big name people. Often it is people who are not known, no names, who are doing God's work, unseen, unheard. Yet, they are the ones who open the doors. This is very important. One of the things that I really wanted our church to understand was our church, we didn't want the church to be run by pastors. And, and this has never been Pastor Q's church. Maybe it has been Pastor Mimi's church, but not Pastor Q's church. And one of the things we wanted to make sure is the church belongs to us, God's people. Not to one leader, one person. And I see Time and time. Yes, Apostle Peter did a lot of things. Apostle Paul did a lot of things. But often, very subtly, very quietly, God is to, God's work is done by unknown people. This unknown man. We don't know how many of these guys are and from Cyrene and Cyprus. And they begin to share the gospel. The church begins. By the way, uh, Notice the phrase, the hand of the Lord was with them. It means two things. First, it means power. Hand of the Lord also means blessing. When it says, Bible says, hand of the Lord is with them, it means God is blessing them. It also means literally power of God is upon them. In, 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 when God put, put, brought Israelites out of Egypt, he talks about how God brought them, brought them out, his finger, finger of God. God brought them out his with his own hands. We also saw it in chapter 4, I believe, it's in prayer was, God, you stretch out your hand. That signs and wonders will be done. Miracles will happen. Here, God is saying, God, God, the hand of the Lord is upon them. God was working through them. Probably miracles, all these things are going on, not by apostles or great people, but this normal day-to-day -day Christians. God was using them to share the gospel. Thus, the hand of the Lord is a powerful blessing. So the hand of the Lord moved into Antioch with power that resulted in salvation. Power with blessing. I mentioned this already. This was the first known church for Gentiles, non-Jews. Interesting. First. And the thing is, you find, I cannot talk about it today, but this church becomes the world center for world missions. This is a church that sent our first missionaries, sent our Paul and Barnabas and missionaries. This is the first church that became the center for learning. A lot of theologians and Bible teachers came out of this city because this city became a center for God's grace. God was working in Gentile church, not a Jerusalem church. Now, so... Now, when, when this is going on, they, they're, they're here. They, when this is going, the stories are going, being heard all over. 
especially in Jerusalem where the, the, the headquarters of the church of God was. This is what it says, verse 20, the news about them reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. They are still a little uncomfortable. They, they affirm that the gospel should go to Gentiles as well. But when they heard of what's happening in 300 miles away in a city called Antioch, the decadent city, they said, is this really happening? Is this good thing happening? They wanted to make sure. They chose a good man, good person. One of my favorite persons in the whole Bible, Barnabas. Barney. They sent Barney out there. Barnabas, they, Barnabas is sent. Because you know, often when, you know, he's going to check out whether this is legit or not, right? And depending on what, what kind of person comes, if a critical, you know, feisty person comes, probably he'll find a lot of negative things. But they sent Barnabas the encourager. This is a good man. What is, it says, verse 33, 23, next verse. Then, then when he arrived... And witness the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. He came. What did he see? He didn't see things to criticize. He saw things. He witnessed that God was working with them. God's grace was with them. And he was rejoiced. He rejoiced. He was glad what God was doing. Not suspicious. And he began to encourage them all. All of them. We should, you should have a resolute heart. And continue in the Lord Jesus. There were brand new Christians everywhere happening. And he saw good things. Doesn't mean everything was good. It just means that he saw good in what, what God is doing in the midst of them. And they, this is church, you know, think of it. This is a church, all brand new Christians. They must have a lot of issues in the church. But he saw good things. He rejoiced in it. He saw um, God's grace in it. He encouraged them. He's... He is an encourager. By the way, his name is more of a nickname. Barnabas is made of two words. Ba is son. Nabas meaning builder. Son of, one who, son of builder. Son of encouragement. He exhorted them in two things. Both to persevere with the wholeheartedness. He, he encouraged, exhorted them to have a whole heart, single heart to God, and persevere in your faith. How do I know that I have genuine faith? Because it endures. It, is, it involves my whole heart. It is not a secondary thing or something that's passing. It says, he goes on to say, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. What a wonderful, uh, what a wonderful epithet, isn't it? He is a good man, filled with the spirit and the faith. Barnabas is a good man. You know, I, I, I think I mentioned about Barnabas many times in our church. I'm hoping somebody will name their kid Barnabas. I don't have a son. I cannot do that. So, you know, and, and, and anyway, it'll be a good name. You can call him Barney. Make him wear purple. Now, look at what it says. And... Considerable number were added to the, brought to the Lord because of how uh, uh, Barnabas came and encouraged the church. Churches were already growing, but more people came to the Lord, and church grew in God's grace. He was the one who encouraged and built it. Built. Let me go on. 
Now, uh, as the church is growing, a lot, of, a lot of brand new Christians, Barnabas realized they need help. I want you to look at the next verse. It's an amazing verse. Verse 25, and he, and he, and, and Barnabas left for Tarsus to look for Saul. Now, by the, by, by the time, by the time by we, when you come to chapter 11, in you know, chapter 9, Saul became a Christian. He was a church, church persecutor, becomes a Christian. And now he has to threaten his, there was a threatened, uh, he was threatened his life in Jerusalem. He, they sent him away to his hometown in Tarsus. That's about 10 years later. This Saul is not hidden. He does not know, we do not know what he has done. We can, we, can, we can guess a little bit in Paul's, Paul's writings that he talks about how he was stoned to death, stoned to death about three, four times, beaten many, many times. I think this happened in those 10 years, hidden away in a home. Nobody knew who he was. But this, in church in Antioch, uh, Barnabas realized the church needs help. He thinks about Saul. He goes look for him in his hometown, Tarsus, which is close by. He goes. Something amazing happened here. And he had, when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And, 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 and with Paul with him, for an entire year they met with the church and taught considerable numbers. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Amazing thing happened. I mean, I can't think about why, why Barnabas thought about Saul. I mean, and church needed help, needed a lot of teaching. He thought he thought of Saul, who was converted many years ago, but he was trained as a theologian in Old Testament ways, and he came to know Christ. How he was boldly preaching the gospel ten years ago. He thought of him, and he he will. Oh, he's not too far away. He goes and look for him, finds him. We do not know whether how he was doing, but finds him and brings him in. Some he believed in Saul, but nobody did. And as, as, as they come, and Paul's Saul's gifting is comes out, his gifting is teaching. So now they spend a year teaching the church with Paul, with Saul, and Barnabas teaches the church. Something amazing happened. A lot of people came to know Christ. More people came to know Christ. And not only that, it says the disciples, those who follow Jesus, were now called Christians. First time in Antioch church. Until, until, until Antioch, all the Christians are Jews. Until Antioch, you know, you, 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 when you look at Christians, you, you, there were some sort of Jews. Now these Christians in Antioch are not Jews. You cannot call them Jews anymore. They are not Jews. So they sort of made up a name. Uh, let me use, let me quote somebody here. Let me quote somebody here. Here, okay. Uh, Kent Hughes says, so a new name was born. They cannot call them Jews anymore. Perhaps there was a jesting or mocking edge to the nickname. Perhaps even a bit of rage because these people were such a contradiction to the ethos of Antioch. The new term was a mongrel name, part Greek, part Latin. The E-N means a party or belonging to. Christ was a Greek 
equivalent to Messiah. So they put the name together to say, they're those Christians, those who belong to Christ. That's what they call it. But it was, it, it, said, it said it all, Christians, followers of Christ. Christ has so much on these believers' lips. They live so like Christ that no other name would do. Christian is a wonderful name, a name which we should seek to be worthy of. So they, they, they use this to be, you know, belittle these followers of Christ, but yet it became a wonderful name and it stuck to us. Uh, uh, I want to think about this a little bit. Now, if, I, if, I, if you do not mind, of course, you, you, it doesn't matter if you mind or not, I'll just say it anyway. If you look at the book of Acts, the followers of Christ are called many different names. Sometimes it's called disciples, sometimes they're called saints. Sometimes they are called believers. Sometimes they are, sometimes they are called brothers. Sometimes they are called witnesses. Sometimes they are called the followers of the way or Nazarenes. Jesus of Nazarene, the followers of Nazarene, Jesus of Nazareth. But here they are called Christians. Why? Because these people who believe in Christ, they are not Jews. They are just Gentiles in Antioch. One thing you know about them is they were some people who belong to Jesus. They knew they, these are Jesus' people, Jesusites, okay? Jesusites, the tribes of Jesus. They belong to, they talked about Jesus all the time. This is who they were, those who belong to Jesus, right? More than, more than, more than all, they were first called, first Christians in Antioch. Somebody said there's two meanings to this. The first called Christians Called Christian first in Antioch, meaning they were Christians first. No matter what, what you do, they were Christians. I read a story about a, uh, uh, a Christian in early church in, uh, I think, Lyon, uh, France. And they, were, uh, they got this Christian guy, they wanted to, they are persecuted, they wanted him to, you know, what you call, renounce his faith in Christ. They asked him, Where are you from? He would say, I'm a Christian. Where do you live? I'm a Christian. Every answer they ask, I'm a Christian, that's all he says. I'm a Christian. And, 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 and that's all they got out of this guy. And a number of things they asked. But this guy died for Christ, died as a believer in Christ. His answer to everything was, I'm a Christian. Why aren't you doing this? I'm a Christian. I belong, I belong to Jesus Christ. And you know, to be honest, in our, in our generation, when you use the word Christian, has no, no value in it, no meaning in it. I mean, about 20, 30 years ago, people, people thought they were Christians because they're Americans. And actually, one, one Christian uh, author, commentator, writes in about the 1960s. He was traveling somewhere and saw a guy uh, sitting next to him, and he looked at him and said, are you a Christian? He said, do I, look at me, do, what do I look like? Do I look, look, do I, do I look like... Uh, Asian? Do I look like Muslim? What do I look like? American? Yeah, that's the answer. Meaning that I'm American, therefore I must be a Christian. Of course not. Often the Christian name Christian now has no meaning in it. For them, for them it meant they followed Christ. They belonged to Christ. Christ is everything to them. 
That's what they talked about. They says how they lived. They belonged to Christ Jesus. They were Christians. Christian. Believe, you can think about the word. Who is a Christian? Think about it. What does an authentic Christian look like? What is a Christian? The question, then question is, are you a Christian? A member of a church doesn't mean you're a Christian. Are you a follower of Christ? This is in my note, but let me, let, let me just humor me for the next two minutes. I just need to say this. One of the things that I'm really, really convicted lately is that I think most of us in Christian church lost the DNA of what Christians are supposed to be. Early church, Christians, wherever they went, they shared the gospel. They talked about Christ. And making disciples was the normal part of their life. Somehow, nowadays, somehow, uh, most churches, we think, well, I'm a Christian if I go to church, if I Keep tidy if I'm a member of a church. I'm a Christian. Some other DNA of being a witness of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ and living as a follower of Christ is missing. I'm not a Christian because I go to church. I'm not a Christian because I give offering to church. No, I'm a Christian because I belong to Christ. I do what he wants. I live by what his ways. That I belong to Christ Jesus. The DNA is of a Christian always was in the early church. They would, wherever they would go, they would be a witness of Christ Jesus. The life. Are you a Christian? Are you a follower of Christ? Now, I'm not going to dwell on the next few verses. Now, let me just summarize. Next few verses... Uh, Next two verses, what happens is that uh, a prophetic person comes to the city and the, the church and say there will be a famine in the world. It's a famine in the world. And the church, this early church, this church begins to decide, begin to gather money to help the Christians in Jerusalem. They were really living out their faith in God. And if you look at Apostle Paul's ministry, he always, always raising up funds to help the others. You'll find it in the Bible and his love in action. I want to move on quickly. Uh, uh, remember, uh, let me move on. I don't know if any of you heard about Amy Carmichael. Amy Carmichael was a famous, a really well-known missionary who ministered in India for over 55 years. I think later, a later part of her life, she became, I think, so ill. She, got, she wasn't able to walk around. She was an invalid, but she wrote a lot. And she is the one who rescued a lot of Indian children, giving dedicated to the, the temples you know, and what, all that. And she did a lot of orphanage work. She said, you can always give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. See, when we come to Christ, one of the mark of a Christian is our, our hearts are transformed. We are filled with his love. And, 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 and as the Bible said, God so loved the world he gave. And, and this early church, this church in Antioch practiced as the early church did. They practiced love. And they, 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 not that they were doing better than the others. They were willing to share what they have to with those who are in need. And they were giving because they loved. And that shows how their hearts and lives are transformed by the grace of God. Few thoughts. I want to end with few thoughts. 
Well, the question is, as you think about the early church and Antioch, how they were called Christians, are you a Christian living, are you living worthy of that name? Are you, worthy of, are you living worthy of the name? Second thing, I, uh, I want to say, say this. I'm quoting uh, Chuck Swindle, one of my favorite authors. Whomever God chooses, he uses. Not always right away, right? But the Lord didn't fully use Saul until years later. Well, but when Barnabas came looking for him in Tarsus, God called from the beginning, Jesus called Paul, Saul, to be the witness of him to the ends of the earth. But he had over 10 some years of hiddenness. God, whomever God chooses, he will use, definitely use. But not always right away. Sometimes it takes time. God lets you wait, let you be prepared. What do you think might be the purpose, his purpose in this waiting? I always think about it. Maybe you feel like, you know, I know God has called me to serve him somehow. And I don't know why am I still waiting, not really getting into what I'm supposed to be doing. Maybe God has put you in the place of waiting a little bit. What do you think the God's purpose for you is in that waiting time? How can you prepare yourself so that when he calls that you'll be ready? What can you, what, how can you prepare yourself so that when God calls, you'll be ready? Paul, Saul was in home for eight, ten years, hidden away. He was sharing the gospel as he knew, knew how. A lot of persecution, a lot of things happened in that time. He was preparing, although in those times, that, that's where all his theology, understanding of God came to be. I believe this is where he learned to say, you know, I consider all things at loss for the sake of Christ. I think those are out of experiences walking with Christ in that 10 years, that's where he got those truths. You see those waiting years of God's preparation. You see God, whom God chooses, he will use. And here, and, and I want to stop and say, I'm, and I, today is Thanksgiving Sunday for us. I thought about what, what can I be thankful for? I'm, many, many things I'm thankful for. Surely I'm thankful for the stroke that I had, how God healed me, no problem. I don't look like any residual, residual effect of it whatsoever other than me forgetting things. My wife thinks I'm just, I'm just excusing myself. But anyway, um, one of the things I thought about the greatest blessings I can I'm thankful for before God is people that God brought into my life who believed in me, who believed in me, who found me when I was in, in waiting, when I was not seen, when those people came and believed in me and who bring me forth and that I can be what God called me to be. And they're, they're, I think we, they're those encouraging in our lives are the ones that I'm being greatly thankful. So I was, this morning I was Googling, trying to find the name of my, one of my teachers in high school. I was a fob in a, a school in Hawaii, high school in Hawaii. There were two teachers, so both Japanese-American teachers. They really, I don't know why, they liked me. And one was Mrs. Um, Naomi Shigemoto, tiny little, she was about four feet nine, tiny lady, she loved me. And, and, and I remember she, uh, um, so she, and I was a fob. She said, you don't, you don't belong in my class. She sent me to regular class. You don't need to go to East, East or whatever. And he 
sent me away. And Mr. Kimura, I trying to find, I was trying to find his. He was a guy. I love that man. My biology teacher, he was a zoology teacher for me. And, and he, that man, I just, those two men in my high school days, I was a fop, didn't know what I'm doing. And they he took me under. I don't know whether they're Christians or not, but they surely were wonderful people. They wrote best ever recommendations. And I ended up going to college in Pittsburgh because of them. The people like that in our lives who stood with you, who believed in you, so good in you. Those are the people I'm thankful for. What are you thankful for this Thanksgiving? What are you thankful for? I'm grateful for those, especially those around who has done that in me. I look at the word of God. I see Barnabas, such an amazing man. He wasn't who defended Saul before other apostles when nobody believed in him. And he's the one who goes and looks for him and he's nobody. And brings him together and works together with him. Help him to launch his ministry. Paul, Apostle Paul, who was Saul, his, he owes his ministry a lot to Barnabas. Somebody like Barnabas who believes in him. Invests in him. Invested in him. Believed in him. I really believe that that was amazing man here. The Barnabas who got this church going. And I believe we are called to be the encouragers of others. See good in others. Restorer of others. That's the life in the spirit. This church was strengthened because of that. And they, and then out of the fruit of the ministry, people are called, these people are called Christians. Encourages the people. Lovers of people. More than anything, we are called to be lovers and builders of people, encourages the people. Man, that's a good boy. Man, he's been smiling all morning. He's listening. Yeah. May you be a Great man of God. Praise the Lord. That's all. Can you understand? As you spend this week, especially Thanksgiving week, and as you think about uh, the things you are grateful for before God, I'm grateful. For me, I'm grateful as I look at the Word of God how the early church, church gospel went forth by unknown people who obeyed God, when shared God's love with others. People like Barnabas who saw in others and believed in others, those who have, might have seen failures. He, he saw them, encouraged them, and helped them to become used of God. And, and, and they brought about transformation in the lives of the people. I believe our God is calling. Let me see if there are any more slides. I might have a couple more slides in it. It's, it's, I like, I saw this picture, I cropped it, I put it up there, I don't, I don't know where it came from, but it's not mine, I'm just borrowing it, okay? I love it. The disciples are called Christians first at Antioch. Not weaklings, the lions. I like that because our Lord Jesus is the Lion of Judah. A Lion of Judah. And those who followers of Christ were called Christians, those who belong to Christ. Those who belong to Christ at Antioch. Are you growing in Christ? Are you growing in Christ? Father, we come and we love you, we honor you, God. We took this time 
to look at the early church God in Antioch. These are how the gospel went to the uh, Gentiles, those who are not of God's uh, heritage, how gospel went forth. Because these unknown men obeyed you, shared your love with others, your truth with others, God. Many were saved. But I thank you for people like Barnabas, your servants who saw in beauty in the others, God, and look for those who are broken and find them and help them to be restored and used by you, God, and, and to encourage them. Father God, you are, you, we thank you for loving us, calling us and seeing beauty in us, God, and raising us up as sons and daughters of God. We give you glory today. We thank you, God. Thank you for those men and women you brought into our lives who are the blessing that you have granted us, God. We love you. We love you. We give you glory today, God. We are yours. We belong to you, Jesus. We honor you, God. Fill us with your grace. Fill us with your grace. In the name of our Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.